Peep the strategy. The strategy. <laughs> yes. Oh. Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Paying It Forward. I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I'm joined today by the Hall and Oats of the Bench Reaction podcast, Chase Baker and Zach Burnham. <laughs> What's up, boys? What I want <laughs> you just you're making my dreams go true. You know what I mean? I'm very happy to have uh, our sponsor today. I only wish I had yeah. five burgers, five fries, five <laughs> pizzas, five tots. All right here, right next to me, right now. What do you What do you care? You're rich. <laughs> oh, I I do want to just call out Zach. Zach is back, man. Return of the Zach. Return of the pack. I want I want you to tell all of our listeners, Zach, what was the what was the highlight of your uh, your R and R here the last few weeks? Uh, listening to the three episodes I missed and the crazy takes that were thrown out there hey, uh, that I could not refute what? live. <laughs> oh, but refute them you did on the text thread. <laughs> yeah, and... well, only one episode. I, I didn't do it for the other two episodes. That's but... true. That's true. I had a lot of. We know you have. We thoughts. know you have takes, though. That you're. That I had a lot of holding thoughts, in. A lot of pushback, and when I sent out the, my big text, I didn't get that much response from you guys. So I was like, "Well, I guess these guys don't care about my takes." But now I'm on the pod. I'm live, and there's nothing you can do. My takes are here. <laughs> buckle up, well, buckle up, baby. Myself, speaking for myself, I was like, if I want to even have an iota of credibility, I need to do my research to respond to this, and I'm I'm not going to currently put that much work into this very well thought out text. <laughs> I, I don't I can't do that. Yeah, at the moment. it was like four paragraphs long. It was very very impressive. Which, if I had spoken, um, it would have taken about two minutes. But in a text, it looks like it's gigantic. It's like an essay. It looks intimidating. It's funny how we yeah. we view texts when like like that guy just sent me two paragraphs. Like, what is he? Is he crazy? Like, it's like, it would take me 20 seconds to say this, you know? It took me 23 minutes to read. Maybe I, maybe I need to work on my reading skills. <laughs> Text is ruining everyone's ability to read. What is his it problem? Is. That I was eight know, sentences. Y'all. That was nothing. I don't know. Um, he's angry. <laughs> Two paragraphs? Come on now. Uh, all right. Well, uh, on today's episode, we are going to continue our way too early preseason prep but starting to feel like just maybe early preseason prep now um before we wrap up with chase's mud pie moment of the week here at the end okay so r- quick reminder for the listeners yet again those of you that have been listening week to week you know the drill this is the segment where we take three teams we review where they ended last season what offseason moves they've made so far realistic expectations for next season and then since Zach is officially back, we're going to get a patent pending, trademark pending, burning Burnham question for each team <laughs> from our guy, Zachary Burnham. Okay, today we're going to talk about three teams, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Chicago Bills. You guys, when I was writing this out, I literally kept accidentally putting Chicago Bills instead of Chicago Bulls. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bulls, not the Chicago Bills. Nugo reference for those of you that uh, did not catch that. And then we will wrap up with your Celtics of Boston. Okay, let's start with the the Pelicans here. Quick recap. They finished last season 42 and 40. They were ninth in the West. They finished 21st on offense, sixth on defense. They lost to the Thunder in their first play-in game. Off-season moves. Herb Jones returned on a four-year deal. EJ 
is it little liddell little little okay (laughs) ej returned or sorry agreed to a three-year deal Cody Zeller agreed to a one-year deal, and then they drafted Jordan Hawkins at number 14 out of UConn. So really, I mean, honestly, not that not that many off-season moves here. Curious to get your guys' initial thoughts on uh, on the Pelicans' off-season moves and kind of heading into this new season. So I think the Pelicans might be the hardest team in the entire league to analyze and project for this upcoming season. The beginning of last season, you guys will all remember that I had my little take about the Pelicans being like a potentially really good team and possibly a contender coming the end of come the end of the year. At the time they were first in the West. Zion was playing out of his mind, was in the MVP conversation. But we all know how it went. Zion got hurt. The team became very mediocre. Uh they went on a really poor stretch in the mid part of the season and picked it up a little bit towards the end to finish with a respectable record, but uh not very good. And then when you look at the West and how deep it is. This is a conversation we were just having before the pod started. Where are the wins going to come from? How good can this Pelicans team really be if Zion is not who he is supposed to be? If he's not healthy, if he's not locked in? And I think it's really hard. Can they be one of these top flight contenders like they looked at the beginning of last season? Or are they really just this mediocre team that is going to be fighting for a playing spot? I'm going to be uh, Captain Obvious here yet again, but I feel like everything with this team hinges on Zion's health. And I think David Griffin obviously knows that. Hasn't made any huge moves because I do think that there's something to be said about continuity with this team. When they were, to your point, Zach, all together playing last season, they were the one seed. Granted, it was for what, like two, three weeks before Zion got hurt again. He only played in 29 games last season, but the dude was an absolute wrecking ball monster when he played just like he is every season. I think, I don't know, man, this season feels like a, a somewhat make it or break it season for Zion. I don't know, you know, uh, what it's going to look like from a games played standpoint, but if he can, if they can get like 60 to 65 games out of him, I think that they have the potential to be a top four seed in the West. They've got BI, they've got Valanchunas, they've got, wings for days man they've got some young guys that i feel really good about so it all hinges on zion and i gotta be honest with you guys i do not have a ton of faith that he's gonna come through for us but haven't you seen the uh, the off-season posts about zion's big strong arms and the weight that he's lost him and ben simmons guarantees (laughs) that he's gonna be a huge factor this season haven't we learned oh wait that's right yes that doesn't that doesn't actually matter it doesn't um yes the ben simmons effect like i'm so excited i'm just so great especially with oh gosh let's not even get into the ben simmons thing this past week of hey ben if you would want to be traded anywhere where would you want to go and he's like i'd love to go back to philly and it's like this again he this, said this, that this wah, wah. i missed that oh, he did he said that he, he said that it. this past yeah. week literally like i'm sure said, joel oh, would love i'd to love have to go back, back to philly so yeah they're besties man <laughs> Old so, friends sitting so maybe, at the park bench. like Maybe with your take, Chase, you can answer one of my two Burning Burnham questions here, since we just kind of touched on it. Do you guys put any stock into the comments that Zion has made and the, and the talk about his workout and his diet and him trying to dial in away from like the personal issues he's had and just focusing on basketball? Do you put any stock in that at all or that he can be, as you said, Pat, a player who plays 60-plus games this next year? It's tough to say. I would say if I, to answer your question, if there was a numerical way for me to put in 
25% stock in that question, I would say we'll put a little bit of stock into it because, you know, how guys run their offseason, uh, you know, is it can put some momentum into how they go into preseason and, and the rest of the year, right? Uh, you know, the fact that he's taking care of his body in the offseason is a good sign. Um, there's no reason to believe otherwise. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes, but I would say it mostly means nothing until um, he plays consistently and he contributes, like Pat, to your point. Like he's going to be the the most... He he's like the key for that team to go potential top four. I would say the second most uh in my kind of bit from this Pelicans discussion, he's the second most important point to all this is Brandon Ingram and him kind of shaking off the bad vibes of this FIBA team outing that he's had. Um, you know, it was just uh, you know, uh, a year and a half ago that he was, you know, averaging near, what was it like 30, 40 points a game in a West, Western, Western conference playoff series. Uh, I can't remember what it was like. He was, he was like, he, that was when people really started to watch him tear it up. Not this past postseason, but the one before it. Yeah. Against um, Phoenix. He balled out against Phoenix. Like he did really well then. And that's feels like a distant memory now. And if he, you know, for game, second or third game of the season drops 30, 40 points, this coming season great like no one's like no one's gonna remember the whole FIBA nonsense and how poorly he's played like seven points in like three games or something like that um he, he's like a close second to the whole um Zion doing well in regards to this team's success obviously CJ uh is just the veteran presence that that checks off that box Dyson Daniels one of the young core I'm really excited to watch play this season but uh behind Zion BI has to be consistent uh, for them. He's got to, he's got to be a 25, 20 to 25 a night guy for them. Yeah. I'm in, um, I'll believe it when I see it muchacho mode with Zion, like all the words only take me so far. Like I'm, I'm definitely not to Ben Simmons levels with him yet in terms of like, dude, just stop until you actually get on a basketball court and prove that you can be an efficient player before. I just need you to stop talking. That's the most frustrating thing with Zion, man. It's like when he, again, when he actually plays, he's otherworldly, man. He's a, he's a top five to 10 guy in the NBA. We haven't really seen anything like him before in the league. So if he, I mean, I, I don't know. I think the beginning of the season will, will be, uh, you know, will be telling. But even as I say that, I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man, because he could tweak his hamstring again and be out for three months. Yeah, and and it could be an injury that is just bad luck. But if if he's in shape, but if he's not in shape again, then you really have to start to question who he is. I mean, we already do question who he is. I think he might be the most important player for any single team this year. Uh, as I as I look through the league, he has a lot, and and not just for his team, but for his own career. Like this is sort of a make it or break it year. His value is going to plummet if he has another season where he's hurt or unable to play for some other reason. I've been sort of working on my my projections for the next season and my top 50 players and all that stuff for maybe a future episode or f- to put as an article on the new website that we're going to make. Spoiler. And I won't give away where I have nice that ranked. But, uh, but I think he's going to be the first player on the list who is extremely controversial. Jason especially is going to push back on it big time. Because I think the hard thing with him is like, yeah, he has not really shown himself to be a superstar because he just can't be on the court. But he's one of maybe 10 guys in the league who I'm like, if he plays, he's an, an MVP. He could win an MVP next year. He's that good. So uh, 
I really just don't know what to make of him. It, they still have such an extremely deep team. They have all the pieces that they need if he's a superstar to be a contender. Uh, they also have everything that they need to make a big trade if needed. Uh, like if Embiid comes on the comes on the trading block, who knows? It's a good landing spot. I think they need a they need to pray that he has an Embiid like resurgence, right? Like Embiid hardly played his first three years in the league and has had. I would say relatively good health since then. I was just looking it up. Zion's played 114 games in his entire career so far. Granted, he's only 23, so he's still super young, but that's crazy, man. He's been in the league since when was he drafted? 2019? Been four We're talking years. about yeah. yeah, he's going into his is he going into his fourth year? He's going into his fifth year. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's I insane. I think. This is this has got to be the year to both your points. Otherwise, I think the questions will just skyrocket. They're already there, so we'll see. Correction to the BI playoff points per game statistic: near thirty points, not near forty points. He averaged twenty-seven a game. Then, um, yeah, BI's got to step up. This is and and what came to mind uh, with what, what you just said now about he's tw- about Zion being twenty-three. Twenty-three was when. Um, was when Donovan Mitchell really turned the corner in his 23rd uh, year uh, of life when he was with the Jazz, uh, I believe, because he came out of Louisville his sophomore season. So that probably would have put like second or third year. I can't remember which one of those two in the NBA. He really turned the corner that season. Zion has to do that. He absolutely has to do that. Or the Pelicans are going to be like, look, dude, you are a number one pick. Like, you know, the, the McCollum contract is, uh, I don't know where that's at, but that's probably going to start to, you know, eat away at their cap space if they have to make a consideration soon. So this will be an interest. This will be sort of like I don't want to say the year for the Pelicans, but this will be like okay, like it's time. So just to finish up this this team, this segment for this team, my other burning Burnham question, and we can even just leave it hanging in the air, is really to Chase's point. He's kind of talked through this already. Who is Brandon Ingram? Is he this guy? who led this team in the playoffs or is he the guy this last year granted he was hurt for a lot of the year and playing through injuries when he was playing but who was unable to take this team over the hump make them a real playoff team by himself i'm not sure who and then we've seen in fiba as well that he hasn't really been the star that i thought he would be for that team i thought him and ant would kind of be the two leading scorers and leaders maybe not leaders of the locker room but leaders of the offensive production on that team it just hasn't been there. So I'm questioning who he is, really. I'll leave one one kind of B.I. final thought because I've I've been a B.I. defender in my days. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that guy. I, I think that setting the FIBA piece aside, the times that he's really thrived, I feel like have been the times where his role has been very well defined, right? So you have these times where you know Zion's going to be out for extended stretches of time, and that's when B.I. has kind of come on and done his thing. I think it's the times where, like even last season when him and, and Zion, I mean, they, they just haven't played a ton together. When they have, it's been a little bit of like your turn, my turn kind of basketball. And I think part of that is because they just haven't had the, the proper time to sort of mesh and, and build that chemistry. So very, very interested to see what this upcoming season looks like. Again, I think that the first, I don't know, four to six weeks will be pretty telling about what the rest of their their season's going to look like. Um, okay, let's let's move on to our next team, which is, again, the Chicago Bulls. Just to recap real quick, last season they finished 40-42. and 42. That was 10th in the East. They finished 24th on offense, 5th on defense, which was very confusing for me to see because I definitely thought it was going to be the opposite of that. 
Um, they beat Toronto in their first play-in game before losing to Miami in their second play-in game. Off-season moves so far. They brought on Javon Carter, who agreed to a three-year deal. Tory Craig agreed to a three-year, or sorry, a two-year deal. Uh, Io Desunmu returned on a three-year deal. Kobe White returned on a three-year deal, and then they drafted Julian Phillips at number thirty-five. All right, boys, thoughts on the on the Chicago Bulls? They're one of my uh, like top five most boring teams to uh, to talk about, but maybe you guys will change my <laughs> mind in the segment. Dude, that's hilarious because my number one comment right here in my little notes I have is they might be the most boring team in the entire league. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. We're on the same page. Let me, re- let me just go ahead, Chase. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'll just get my comments out of the way. Yeah. From their boringness, I didn't keep too, too close track, but in kind of reading through the latest talk about them, uh, in prep for the episode, it's, um, uh, I thought it was interesting and at least important to note that like Levine played a lot of the last season, still kind of recovering from the se- uh, the surgery he had previous. And, um, that kind of affected a lot of things. Uh, for his play, uh, his reliability. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that now, you know, him kind of coming at it full strength with, um, with Vucevic, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how him and DeMar DeRozan kind of be their big three. I think if, the, if this core has a chance, it's with, you know, this season with these guys. And especially if they can somehow still just like get some good vibes from Lonzo Ball somehow, just like, you know, the ghost of Lonzo Ball still somehow like floating those locker rooms with them. Then I so think sad, have, uh, man. Just it's such a sad. bummer. He he still apparently believes he'll he'll come back and play sometime soon ish. Who knows? But um, uh, it, it feels like uh, sort of like like what I just said with the with the Pels. Like if if this season, if if this core, if this group is going to do it, this is going to be one of maybe two seasons they'll have to prove it. It's going to do what, though, is my question. Like, this this core is not good enough to do anything but, like, grab the eighth seed in the East. I don't – I genuinely do not understand what this team is doing. I don't understand what the front office is doing. They've doubled down – I mean, they re-signed Vucevic on – I will say, like, I, I think it's a pretty good contract. I think it's a tradable contract. But if I were if I were the front office, man, I would blow this team up. I, I would – like, they don't – you know, they, they obviously traded away – Two of their picks in the the Vucevic deal to Orlando. I think that moving forward, they have most of their picks potentially. So like trade Levine, trade Demar, trade Vooch. Like just go in on your yeah, you know, whatever you view your young core as. That's the other thing too, is they've, you know, they've got Pat Williams, who has been a huge question mark for the last probably three years. Um, I like Dasunmu. Um who did they draft last year? Dalen Terry, I think, who I'm not sure saw a ton of playing time last year, but I just am confused about the direction, man. Like, yeah, I don't I don't understand it. Like, they're still trying to win with this core, and it's not going to happen. So just press the reset button, especially in a year when not a lot of teams are tanking. I think now is the time to do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what their path forward is unless they're going to rebuild. Obviously, a lot of their success leans on Zach Levine. And down the stretch last year, he was like really good, actually. Uh, it was kind of quiet because the Bulls weren't good, and he was really bad in the first half coming back from injury, as Chase talked about. But second half of the season, he averaged like 26-4-4 on 50-37. and 37. He, was, he was really good. He was back to being Zach Levine all-star, as opposed to Zach Levine like Chucker, 
who just can score but can't really help a team. But if he's your number one option, and you can argue whether he or DeRozan is the number one option, but DeRozan's 34 now, uh, still a very good player, one of my favorite players in the league. But that's just not a core that's going to get you anywhere. And they've gone out, and the pieces they brought in, there's like three point guards. Dasun was a point guard, re-signed him. Kobe White's a point guard, re-signed him. Signed Javon Carter, he's a point guard. And they have Alex Caruso, who their best lineup is him at the point guard. Or Zach Levine, you know, maybe ball handling and Caruso's the two, but you get the idea. I just don't, I don't see where they go. I don't know who's going to take Levine's contract, but he did play well down the stretch. I think if he plays well again, there might be some suitors. You're probably only going to get back like a pick, maybe two if you're lucky, even though he's an all-star, just because it's such a big contract. But I think DeRozan absolutely has to be gone midseason. He's going to play well, and then some contender is going to pick him up. I would love to see him like go to Philly to be a number two to Joel. I think it's a great fit over there, something like that. Because as a free agent at 34, your only option is to trade him or resign him to a contract that is going to age terribly as he gets into his late 30s. So I, I, if they don't do that, I don't know what the other path is. Yeah, Zach, I'm curious what your what your burning Burnham question is here. Is, is your question like, are they the most boring team in the league? Because my answer might be yes. I think they might be because they're going to be like, they could very well be the eight seed. They play really well, seven seed, probably more like a nine or 10. But I think because of the age and Zach Levine, not really being a true superstar, who's going to lead you to a lot of wins. They're one of the teams that threatens to fall out of that top 10 as a team like Orlando pushes up into it. Um, Or if Charlotte somehow recaptures what they had with miles bridges and, and LaMelo and pushes up into that top 10. But my Bernie Burnham question, it's kind of a sad one. And it's a one that we can't really answer as just guys sitting here in the background, but will Lonzo Ball ever play basketball again? Ugh. I hate this question. <laughs> it makes me Same. sad, man, because that team a couple of years ago with him and Caruso just flying down the court, the chemistry they had together... Demar having a resurgence after you and know, they were being first place in the East. San Antonio. They were, man. They were. The Us being now. super mad at Grayson Allen for taking out Caruso on that breakaway layup. I, I just, uh, I, everything I've read, granted, look, I'm obviously not a doctor, so I just need to qualify that. Um, it doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look good. Like, I think he'll probably try to make some sort of return, but it doesn't, it really doesn't seem like he's going to be at that sort of peak Lonzo place that he was at a few years ago. And he was one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Sorry, my mute button was stuck in, but mute button was stuck. Um, yeah, that's really freaking hard. Um, mute button stuck in. My mute, <laughs> my mutant was stuck in on my button say, and was stuck in. <laughs> my mute stuck was button in the stuck butt button stuck. Um, your butt, your stuck mute was button. stuck in your. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's such a bummer because, again, like you said, we're we are very much armchair experts. Not even that about not only or specific to I guess injury rehabbing. Well, Zach, you know, being that your ankles have seen better days, you could probably give a, a couple uh, a couple thing a couple pointers to the to the listeners about how to kind of come back from those things, but there's a sense of like a, of a somewhat known recovery time 
right? Even no matter how bad the injury is. And just from this common sense of being a basketball fan and being like, ah, like a torn ligament. Okay. Out like, oh, dang it out for the season. Okay. Like there's, it's a known, it's sort of like this known variable. It's this known thing. But when it starts to get to like season after season, there's this like very dark, heavy feeling around Lonzo Ball where it's like, this is very unfamiliar territory for a professional athlete to have such a lengthy injury where the reports come out and say the doctors don't know what to do with this. They don't know how to like, at least that's the scariest part. That's the scary part where it's like, what is going like, what is happening? This is very, this isn't like a, ah, he's injured. Ah, Okay. Next season. There's not even that. And that's no timetable. There's no No timetable that people can kind of lean on right now. Uh, From the ankle injuries thing. All I know is that it's only a matter of time before it happens again. That's the truth. <laughs> Ain't that truth? Yeah, I, I think he will at some point step on a court again, but he will never be the same player. He'll play part of a season sometime and then not play. It's I think he's done, and it's really sad because that was the Bulls' hope was to put together these four, and then I guess with Vooch, uh, five like really solid players. A couple of them really good defensive. A couple of them really good offensively. And then just sort of see what could happen. Uh, and it went really well for half, maybe even two-thirds of a season. Uh, I don't know if they ever had – they never had the star power to really win, to be a contender. But it was a fun team that would have been tough in the playoffs. So it just it, – it does break my heart. And I'm going to sort of promulgate a conspiracy theory about uh, those Lonzo Ball shoes, those big baller brand shoes. It's very interesting. You're not, you're not the first person to do that. Yeah. It's definitely been thrown, float, floated out there on social media. I don't know if you guys saw that uh, LeVar Ball released a video today, too, with some new Big Baller brand shoes that are coming out that were hideous. <laughs> they were terrible. They look like alien slippers. Go look them up after the pod. They're awful. Alien slippers. I also just baby. want to say about the Bulls as we wrap this uh, this team up. Remember that time where they could have just kept uh, Jimmy Butler? And paid him. Remember that, bro. So, how many teams made terrible, terrible mistakes <laughs> in not keeping Jimmy Butler around? Not uh, to pay him? Many, many. They were, they it does the feel first. like the, <laughs> yeah, they were the first. It does feel like the Sixers is probably the most egregious because they had something for sure beautiful for sure. brewing there. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the last team we're going to talk about tonight. We've saved the uh, entree. Is that, the, is that the word I'm looking for? I, I wanted to come up with a cooler French word than that, but I, I believe it's just we had We had our salad and um, our soup, and now we're actually getting to the good did. stuff. The bowls, the bowls were the boring soup. soup. <laughs> the bowls were the, the soup, soup de jour. It's, What's it's the, soup the soup de mm, That sounds good. I'll have that. They were the, uh, they were the bidet. <laughs> yum. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, all right, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about the Boston Celtics as our entree here. They finished last season fifty-seven and twenty-five. That was good enough for second in the East. They finished second on offense, third on defense. They were, uh, I would say, close to juggernaut status going into the playoffs. Um, they beat the Hawks in the first round of the playoffs in six games. They beat Philly in the second round. In seven games after coming back from being down three games to two. And then they lost to Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals in pretty devastating fashion. They were down three nothing, came back, tied it up three three, ended up losing at home in game seven. Jimmy Buckets took over. We know the rest of that story. 
Off-season moves, Delano Banton agreed to a deal. O'Shea Brissett agreed to a two-year deal. Jalen Brown agreed to a five-year max extension. Sfi Mikhailuk agreed to a deal. Lakers legend. Kristaps uh, Porzingis joined via a three-team trade with the Wizards and the Grizzlies, where they shipped out Marcus Smart as part of that deal. And then lastly, they drafted Jordan Walsh at number 38. I'm gonna kick it. I'm gonna kick it straight over to Zach here because Zach's sort of our de facto like fake Celtics fan, kind of a Celtics fan, but not not really. He's sort of become a Celtics defender on a text thread with Jason Lamprey, who is a number one Celtics hater. So Zach, <laughs> take it away. How are you feeling about the Celtics these days? I think I come off more as a Celtics fan because I defend them than out of like pure. I'm actually a fan of them. <clears throat> my mom yeah, was a fan. Somebody's got to defend them. <laughs> My mom was a fan, and so I just like sort of attached to them when my two favorite players in 2008 went to the uh, or 2007 went to the went to the Celtics and Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, not a real fan. But I will defend because for all of the hate and disappointment that has gone their way the last two years, uh, they should have. I think still think they were the better team uh, two years ago against the Warriors. I should have won that championship. Amen. Last year, I think they were the most complete team in the league. And had they been able to perform in the playoffs, they were probably the favorite to win the title, especially once the Bucs were knocked out in the first round. Um, So the sense there is like of this massive disappointment, even though they won 57 games, their roster continues to be fantastic. And they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like normally that's a successful season, but for them somehow it seems very disappointing. My, I'm just going to start with my burning burning question here because I think it gets right to what we just talked about with the moves. And it's the biggest thing that I think about with this team is it, did these moves that they made in the offseason raise their ceiling? Well, uh, <laughs> did you just wake up? That was such, a, that was such an amazing sound. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> What's up? Um... Uh, that was exactly, I'm glad that you let off with the question just cause that's, that's kind of where I was going to go with this is like, uh, it, it was, I, I noticed this past week that Vegas, the books, the bookkeeping folks making the bets, uh, for folks making the bets, they've got the Celtics at 44, 54 and a half, sorry, 54 and a half games this coming year, you know, just the, just a few shy less of their total from last season. Sounds about right. The main question is just going to be, will the addition of uh, the unicorn, Kristaps Porzingis, make up for losing Marcus Smart? You know, Jason Tatum's going to Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown's going to Jalen Brown. There might be some questions there, but like they're both solid. They'll both come and do their thing. And they've got so much experience playing together that even if there's a little continuing drama, uh, allegedly, then like that's that's not going to, you know, that's not going to weigh the team down. It'll just be like, well, Kristaps, like obviously there's going to be a, a pretty considerable defensive deficit now with with smart out and he was uh, a bit more of like a leader you know we've said of jimmy that jimmy's got that dog in him marcus was smart was kind of that guy for the celtics as good as uh tatum and brown are they're not the like that they got that dog in them guy jason tatum's like i'm gonna step up and just get a bucket from anywhere jalen brown is gonna get buckets and pass the ball but Marcus Smart was like the guy that was like, you look to when you're tired and he's hustling, you hustle too. 
Kristaps doesn't seem like that guy to me. So I, I don't know if I'm ex- if I'm feeling super good about 40, 54 games uh, potentially this season uh, unless Kristaps comes out of the gate with a lot of energy, uh, just just plugs right in uh, to their offensive scheme. Um, and it didn't seem like they started on a great foot when Brad Stevens was like, oh, yeah, by the way, we had no idea that he was like rehabbing this injury when we brought when we brought him over to the Celtics. And he not went great. on to say like, oh, we're not worried about that. Like he's in our he's in Boston and like we're rehabbing him. But that's that to me, that's like saving face. It's like, what? Like, how did you? OK, it just doesn't feel like they're off to a great start. And it'll be interesting to see how Chris Stops fits in, because defensively, it's definitely a net minus net negative with him coming over here's my take on on court i would say that yes they raise their ceiling theoretically with with porzingis the issue is always going to be injury risk and with marcus i would say outside of a couple stints of him you know having injuries over the years pretty reliable dude and i think that but but I think that on the court they can replicate a lot of what he gave with Derek White between Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon, and then you throw in you know you sprinkle some some other guys in there a little little Peyton Pritchard if if uh, if, if he's your flavor not necessarily mine but you know I think he gives a solid effort out there and saw some playoff minutes um, for sure and then with with Porzingis I, I guess the the piece that gives me a little bit of solace with him is they didn't have to give up any of their their big man rotation to get him. So they still have Al Horford. They still have time Lord. Those two guys have some injury risk. I think that comes with them. Granted Horford is, has been really healthy the last couple of years, but I don't necessarily expect that going forward. I think we're going to see that the biggest potential hole here is in the locker room because it's, you know, it's it's not a secret at all that Marcus Smart was kind of the, the beating heart of this team. And that's not there anymore. So are other guys going to step up? Um, I don't really see Tatum or Jalen Brown as those guys. Could it be like a Malcolm Brogdon? Potentially, maybe. I mean, he's got, you know, his nickname, the president for a reason. I think he's, you know, he's a, obviously a, a very like he, he's got that leadership potential in him. Right. Um, and the other thing I would say, too, is. You know, Missoula's coaching bench, I think they did a nice job of bolstering that this offseason, which should help with some of that leadership. They brought, didn't they bring Sam Cassell in, I think? And then a couple other guys that that have more experience. So again, theoretically, I'm still high on this team. I still think they're going to be um, pretty easily a, a top three to four seed in the East, if not vying for that number one spot. I don't expect them to be much worse than 57 games that they, the 57 games that they won last season. But if Chris Stapps comes out and gets injured like one to two weeks into the season, then I think we'll be having a different conversation. So I think you hit the nail on the head. I think their ceiling is higher. I think they made the team better. They got more offensive production without sacrificing too much defense. To Chase's point, obviously Mark Smart's a former defensive player of the year, and losing him hurts a little bit. But what they gained is additional size, a third guy in that big man rotation, but who actually has more offensive chops and can be sort of a third offensive producer. Plus, they still have Derek White, who was better defensively. In fact, he was probably the best defensive guard in the league last year. Yeah, he was, maybe he was like nails last season, man. As Jason Crusoe. would say, he was nails. Nails, yeah. baby. And I remember having to defend the trade for Derek White because they gave up a first-round pick for him and everything. And 
as our as our Spurs correspondent, you know, <laughs> I, I was like, no, no, Derek White's a really good player. The and one he, guy watching Spurs games. <laughs> yeah, he he showed he showed last year he was the third best player on that team. He was really good in the playoffs. He was a lockdown defender and he was doing some creation. And I think that's great. But though their ceiling is higher, I think their floor is also quite a bit lower, specifically because of the injury risk. Um, Chris Tops, we know, has injury risk injury uh, history and a risk just being that size time Lord is constantly injured. Brogdon has a lot of concerns with his health. He's another guy who I think is actually a better player than Marcus smart when he's able to be on the court, but is he actually going to be able to be on the court? And if he's not on the court, is he going to be able to be the leader? Is he going to be able to be the president for that team? And I, and I just don't know. So I think they're really relying on these guys being healthy uh, and their depth is not great if they are not healthy. Um, I like the Jordan Walsh pick. He's really good. Probably an unknown prospect to a lot of uh, our listeners. Uh, but he was really highly rated coming out of high school. And they were able to get him in the second round. O'Shea Brichette is a, is a good pickup. Uh, Pritchard is, is pretty good coming off the bench too. Um, a hated guy by some people like Jason. But I think if he was a Laker, he'd be like the Austin Reeves. <laughs> he, he would love him, you know? <laughs> It's I can't all just wait for per- Jason to hear this. It's all just perception. <laughs> yeah. But uh You heard it here. Peyton Pritchard, the Austin Reeves of the East. <laughs> He's not as good as Austin Reeves. Don't 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 mix up my words. I'm just talking about the love that Jason would have, you know. But yeah, the Celtics are, t- are they're tough. They're going to be one of the best teams in basketball. Even with injuries, they're going to be one of the best teams in basketball. But I just don't know if they are going to be able to get over that hump unless Tatum or Brown can can be a true leader in the locker room. Yeah, I I mean I we'll see how they recover from their their playoff woes of the last couple of years. Um obviously to your point Zach, 2022, I think most of us you know thought that they were at least on paper the more talented team, right? In comparison to Golden State, what they what they didn't have was the heart that Golden State has and saying that sentence makes me want to vomit my guts out. Um but that team just had more heart, more will. And that's the thing that's been so frustrating about the Celtics team is like, they're so freaking talented, man. There's so much talent on this team, but when the going gets tough, when these moments, you know, when the, when the pressure sort of peaks, they just, they kind of crumble time and time again. I mean, even that Miami series, it was like, holy cow, they got it. They came back from three, nothing, three games, zero. I wanted to say three yeah. nil because I've been watching a lot of soccer this weekend. But when they, they did came that, back and then they fell flat. Yeah, when they did that, I was like, "Oh man, are they going to come back from a three zero deficit and they're going to put all the ghosts to bed and finally get over the hump?" And the fact that they didn't, I wonder what effect that's going to have on their psyche. If that's going to be motivation or if that's going to just totally diminish what they have and 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 their hopes of uh, really getting over that hump. Yeah. No, no. But they have Luke Cornett still. <laughs> so Luke Cornett, you know. He's, he's good. And Peyton Pritchard, the Austin Reeves of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Stop pissing my words. Um, <laughs> one interesting thing I think they could do is now that they have Chris Tops and if he's healthy, they might be able to use Time Lord and Pritchard uh, in a trade to bring in some more depth pieces or maybe a leader if they needed it. That's the only place that I can really see them improving the roster. Just Time Lord is is a really good player, but I wonder what his role is going to be next to Kristaps. I feel like a lot of 
closing lineups are going to have Kristaps at the five with Tatum and Brown at the forward spots. Uh, if Brogdon is healthy, no, I think no that's Horford. The team. Yeah. There will be times, especially against bigger teams, like against Embiid or against a Jokic or whoever it might be, that they'll play them together. And I think earlier in games, it's going to be two bigs almost all game. They're going to go back to that. But if Brogdon is healthy, I think that Brogdon, White, Brown, Tatum, and Kristaps uh, lineup is going to be devastating. It's like a death lineup. I would just point out that I Brown is sort of right in the middle of his prime now, uh, but Tatum still even though he's only a year younger, I think that year still puts him as like, he's still a developing player. There's a, there's potential for him to sort of reach his prime and turn into that leader after coming so close so many times. It's kind of been the way of a lot of really good players over the course of history. If Tatum is going to try to be one of those, you know, hall of fame type guys, it's, he's going to learn from all of these defeats he's had and finally get over the hump, and then it's going to be, okay, this is now a perennial championship contending team. They're always going to be in that conversation uh, because they've gotten it done once. So I, I still think there's the potential for them to do it, uh, for Tatum to turn into a leader and, and to then win a championship. They obviously have the talent to already win it, but they need that leadership, and I think Tatum could be that guy. Yeah, what, what, what I need to see more from Tatum is in these moments where he's going up against the Jimmy Butler going really toe to toe with a guy like that the entire series, as opposed to having, you know, a, a couple games where he really goes off and the rest, he sort of, he, he defers a lot. Like I, I don't know, man, I, to your point, Zach, he, he averaged 39 and five last season. He's 25 years old. So he's going to continue to get better. I think where I continue, where he continues to fall a little bit short for me is in these big moments, he just settles a lot of the time. I'm like, this dude is like six ten. He's huge. Yeah, and he, he really moves does. like a legit wing and he's so fluid with the ball and he just his free throw attempts. I was looking at this the other day, like his free throw attempts, just they go down when he gets in the playoffs, which is to be expected to a certain extent. But with a guy like that, if Jimmy Butler can be taken, you know, 10 plus free throws a game in the playoffs, Tatum should be able to do the same thing. So maybe he can go to Jimmy Butler free throw camp here. One of these yeah. days. He needs to learn to attack the rim more often. He emulates Kobe Bryant to such a degree that I think he ends up settling for mid-range jumpers when the game has evolved and mid-range jumpers are more like an extra weapon as opposed to a primary attack method. You need to get into the paint. You need to draw fouls. That's how you establish your game. And then it goes three-point line and then mid-range as this additional weapon when you have open jump shots, not turnaround fadeaways that Kobe was shooting all the time back when that was you know, a more common shot. Yeah, that and the sidestep threes, the J- the Tatum's added to his game. Oh, I will that say, shot drives me nuts. That kind of off-rhythm sidestep, right? Um, works when he can drain those. But uh, what, what you know, say what you will about Donovan and how the Cavs had their disappointing exit uh, this past season. But when Donovan up-leveled his game, it was, I would say, not, not to say like mostly, but at least in part to the fact that he, there was a noticeable difference in how he became less of a chucker. He just became a better shooter, but how he attacked the rim. So to the point about Jason Tatum needing to attack the rim, Donovan is nearly unstoppable when he wants to get to the basket. And he started to get to the free throw line more often. And that was when he really consistently started to get buckets and Tatum's also, when he gets to the playoffs, he's got to get over this Anthony Davis thing where it's like, I'm going to turn on the switch when I feel like turning on the switch because so many of these games were like 
he's he had like two points up until the fourth quarter, like three of those playoff games in that series versus the Heat, and then decided to drop like 14 or 20 points. And in the Philly series, quarter. man. Game six, the, he was, was terrible until the last like eight minutes of the game. And, and they and saved Zach, their season. Point, yes, 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 yes. And, and to your point, Zach, like I, I agree. He's he's still could be considered like in development. Uh, kind of approaching like approaching the upper echelon of his wherever his top talent is but that's one thing that has to go that yeah. sort of like when yeah. am i going to turn on the motor no the motor has to be on people have to look to you for the energy and you've got to go to the basket and shoot free right. throws if you're top 10 you have to shoot free you have to get to the basket to and get to the free throw line it's, it's one thing as a final note uh that i've brought up before and people bring up all the time but like when guys really start winning, when they hit their prime, like Jordan started winning at 28. He had all those years to develop. Granted, he came into the league later than Tatum. Uh, LeBron won his first at 27, I think it was. Yeah. Steph won his first at, I also think, was 28. You know, that's the range where these guys really turn it on and become like these championship-level Hall of Fame players. Uh, I, would, I think Tatum has that in him. Not that he's going to be like a top 20 all-time kind of guy or anything, but I think he has that in him. I'm interested to see what this next year or two brings. And now that he's going to get locked in with his max extension next year, Brown is locked in. So they have those two guys. There's no more questions about trading them. Um, so it's now, it's, it's now or never you know, for them to find out who they are. Because if they don't win this next year or the year after that, it's probably never going to happen. All right. On that note, we are going to wrap this up with Chase Baker's sloppy, sloppy, stinky mud pie moment of the week. Chase, take it away. Clear out. Give me the ball. Iso. The ball's yours. Um, <laughs> well, I think it's a, uh, given the uh, given the circumstances of this whole FIBA thing, and uh, given. Uh, you know, a handful of teams that thought we were going to see them go far and they didn't, right? Like you've got uh, USA uh, dropping it to Lithuania. They, you know, they still get to fight, I think, for like a corner quarterfinal spot, right? But, um, you know, they're JJJ in, not getting they're rebounds. In. They're still in it. They're still in it. Yeah, they're still good. in it. But, uh, yeah, not a great, not a great loss. Um, I, I, I'm going to keep it pretty brief. I think this is part of my journey as a... Uh, uh, I'm not, you know, I'll never be against this player, but sort of a recovering avid Rudy Gobert fan, being that he played for my hometown team for a few years. I just, man, just the amount of times I feel like I got to call him out on stuff is just increasing and increasing, especially with this recent quote from this past week about his comments related to, uh, related to playing FIBA ball. He said, quote, in FIBA game, you have to think even more, look around even more. It's still harder to score in FIBA, which is his comments in, in regards to how he thinks FIBA is a tougher game to play than in the NBA. And so I said, okay, maybe I'm going to do a little bit of digging. And so I looked into some of the rules about, you know, what are the really some of the key differences between FIBA, right? Like, I'm not going to dive into like, hey, you know, how do these countries play? And how do they like, you know, there's certain strategies that you can have behind like, you know, like the three point line is further away. Like maybe that means that changes some things, right? And uh, the foul limit being uh, five in FIBA versus six in the NBA, right? Like there's going to be minute differences like that. But Rudy, man, FIBA 
is is geared towards his game and he's not taking advantage of it <laughs> so this is me kind of calling him out on this in FIBA you're allowed to goaltend not only are you allowed to swat the ball as it's coming down like from a layup right like if it's on its way down in the NBA nope can't block that not only can you block a ball on its way down you can you can swat it out of the out of the rim when it's like even after it's hit the rim you're allowed to swat that out of there I don't know. It just doesn't see. It seems like if, you know, if Rudy is him, then we should be seeing just him just batting the ball over the place. There is also no defensive uh, three in the key rule. There's no defensive three second rule in FIBA. I don't know. Maybe this feels like a more, more of a pointed, uh, pointed attack, but like, I don't know. It just feels like there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of meat behind this. Like, oh, you just gotta like be more aware, you know? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just this. Uh, you gotta look around Rudy, a little more. When Rudy you're from playing. Brooklyn. <laughs> Rudy's from Rudy is. Uh, Rudy works at an Italian. It's me, Italian Rudy. Let's, I like pizza. You know, <laughs> I like pizza. There's a little Russian there. But like, I just don't like in general. Like, you don't see a lot of guys change their game when they're showing up to play FIBA. Like at least on the when, with my eye test and all of these like you know NBA NBA guys whether these NBA guys are from Europe or from the states these NBA guys it doesn't seem like they change their game a ton right and so like I don't know I feel like if you're gonna like make a statement like that you got to back it up with like eh, well check out how I play this game differently not really seeing it especially when a lot of the uh, a lot of the quotes coming from rooting this this past week in the same interviews have been. I haven't had a very good season. I'm going to do better next season. So I was like, yeah, it's not great when you're saying that it's harder to score. (laughs) It's like, I don't, it's harder to score, but your defense wasn't good either. So I like, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say that like, yeah, I couldn't score the ball. And I also, it should have been easier for me to defend, but I wasn't as good on defense. Exactly. I just, it's harder to score because it's easier to play defense, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. So, What? Watch me take accountability. It's like, dude, you're just digging a deeper and deeper hole. Just stop. He's just digging, digging a deeper and deeper hole. I hope he does better with the Wolves this coming season. You know, I hope he does better, but um, he's not talking the talk at the moment or walking the walk. The quote coming from him and just the sort of oh, that's rich, illogical <laughs> reasoning behind it, total mud pie. But shocker of all shocker i'm gonna defend rudy a little bit oh <laughs> this is historic My, i think the tables <laughs> i think it actually i think he's right the dirt tables i think it is harder to score in fiba i think and just overseas in europe in general the court is smaller the three second uh defensive three second rule in the nba makes it much easier to get into the paint and the foul calling they're just able to get away with so much more and rudy's not the only one who's said this Lucas said this, Damus said this, KD has said this. So I don't think he's off base in saying that it might actually be a little bit harder to score in FIBA. But the way in which he said it and what he was trying to do and defend himself, definitely a mud pie. Yeah, so let me be clear. I also agree with what he's saying. I do think it's harder to score in FIBA. The, the, the richness of it is it coming from him after France yes. just completely pooped their pants. Yeah, exactly. In the World exactly. Cup. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Euro, <laughs> yes. And and that's to me that's a separate conversation. Euroleague ball is is like a its own league. It's its own culture. It's its own game. It just feels like with this like FIBA, obviously there's some there's a lot of overlap between Euro the Euro League um basketball and and FIBA, but it just feels like 
it just <laughs> it just felt like that was a rich that was a rich quote coming from him. Um, he's a rich guy. Can I give a mini? Can I give a <laughs> mini mud pie moment out? Yeah, mini uh, mud pie. Sling it. Bill, Bill Simmons on his podcast today in his intro. This was a an over unders for the NFC for the NFL. In his intro, talked about how Austin Reeves fans took an L today because he was getting posted up and they had to take him out of the game. I'm like, that's what you took away from USA's <laughs> loss. No call outs for the coaching staff. No, uh, no call outs for the fact that they have like Jason no is big gonna on the love roster. This mini mud pie. Jason's going to go crazy yeah. for it. I hope Jason goes <laughs> back and should. listens to that episode. So I had to do a double take. I listened to it twice. I'm like, what did you just say? Austin Reeves? <laughs> it's not the fact that Triple J has had zero rebounds in the last six quarters of uh, That's my mini mud the World pie. Cup. That that's is a good dude. one. That might be just like a full on mud pie. That's, yeah, that's everyone's number two at least. I love that, that is, guy. So that just is really disappointing as a fan of JJJ. Super disappointing. I I, w- I will say to advocate a uh, 4J. I I don't know if I'd go as far to say that Austin Reeves should have been like the starter for every single one of these games, right? Like Josh Hart fill, filled in on one of these FIBA games for BI, but Aust- Austin Reeves to me feels like the guy unlocking the rest of the team whenever he's on the floor. Like he's he's just the connective tissue. He's been that for the Lakers, and he pretty quickly has already been that for FIBA. And it feels like maybe maybe you know if you're going to line up his offensive statistics, his offensive skills one to one with some of the you know some of the other guys that are in the um, are in the lineup to start, then maybe you know he doesn't line up in as many of those categories. But man, that guy that guy wheels and deals. He dishes. I actually you know what agree, I'm saying? but it's sort of an indictment of Brandon Ingram. To, to say that because the best lineup I think has been when it's Halliburton, Reeves, Ant, Mikel, and JJJ. Um, yeah. And so that is a, a minor indictment of Brunson who hasn't played particularly well during this tournament. Yeah. Uh, I think Halliburton, I honestly think Halliburton is a better player overall. I know people are super high on Brunson and he has the New York market to sort of prop him up a little bit, <laughs> but I agree. As, as, great as, as great as Brunson is, Halliburton should be the starter there. And then you would assume Ingram would be over Reeves, but Reeves has played better than Ingram in this in this tournament. I love Halliburton with all my heart. I just want to be on the record. <laughs> Me too. Me that. too, dude. I can't wait to talk about the Pacers, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm excited too, man. Because I think the best, on man. one of these most recent pods, I can't remember who you guys were talking about, but it was, you know, some team coming up in the East. It may have been the Pistons. I don't know. But it was like, are you guys forgetting about how good Indiana is? They're going to be good. They were good last year when Halliburton played, and they're going to be really good this year, I think, compared to the bad teams, I should say. They're not going to you know, yeah. be a top four in the East or anything. But I'm excited to watch them. Uh, they're going to be one of my like three top three le- uh, league pass teams. I got to oh, yeah, into baby. them more this year than last year. They'll be a blast. All right, my dudes. Well, as always, this has been a quality, quality podcast. We'll hopefully get uh, the whole band back together next weekend all five of us it'll just be pure chaos and i'm here for it I'm excited we haven't I'm had all five for the of us austin on, like, reeves shots the I'm austin ex- the ar-15 cannon <laughs> i'm excited gonna to be able to them. take my my takes my hot takes right at jason and dan <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first jay and dan if you're listening to this which you better be because you need to support the podcast that you're a part of zach's coming for you <laughs> so buckle up baby We'll get that website up soon.
I've 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 Ooh, got a, I got to offload a couple things uh, on my plate that are going to be on my plate for the next three four weeks. But um, once that's off my plate, I've told you, Pat. Once that's off my plate, we're going to make a website that looks good and it's going to perform good because there's lots of under the hood stuff that I can do to the website where we say, Hey Google, hi Google, when you send your your stuff, your algorithm, look at this. Hey, shiny shiny and then google is nice and then ranks it high in search results and then we're, then we're going to get into our video strategy which is a whole other conversation strategy love hearing about the strat dude strategy sign me up keep the strategy, strategy. Yes. oh all right on that note we got to end it because that was a perfect way to end have a wonderful I, I was gonna say night but zach have a wonderful day in pakistan yes. thanks we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon as they say yeah. in Pakistan, bom dia. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I believe that's Brazil or Portugal. Or as Rowan would say, Portugal. Portugal. Yeah, he'll pronounce it. He'll pronounce it correctly someday. It's all good. All right, dudes. I'm out. See, ya. See you, brothers. Peace.